Well, I am grateful for you guys. Uh, before we get started, I do want to share with you. You guys will notice there's a pack of cigarettes up here, and I thought this was the coolest thing, actually. That's great. I got Tim up here laughing. Um, but a gentleman, I won't call him out, um, he wanted to start tonight off with, he's like, I feel like God wants me to lay this down. And so, um, isn't that awesome? And so... If you've seen me, first off, if you've seen me put them up there, they were not mine. Um, he handed them to me. Um, and I didn't want to be like, hey, could you put these in the middle of service? Because God was working with him right then. And so um, we're just like, man, we'll just roll with whatever. And so that's why they're there. It's just incredible. And it's incredible that, man, when we lay things down, God honors that. When we pursue him, God honors that. And so it's just such an incredible thing. And so I just wanted to share that because it was cool. It blessed me significantly. It's funny. Um, he'd actually mentioned a while ago, uh, actually, when we had a gentleman um, give his testimony, James Roach. And he's like, man, that really spoke to me. Um, and so here he is following through today. God apparently didn't let that go. <laughs> he's just been dinging him. Isn't it funny how he does that? And he just keeps hitting us and keeps hitting us until we obey. And so that was just an incredible thing. I just want to share that before we get started. Um, I've got another story for you guys uh, that's kind of related to our message. Um, when, I, when I was younger, I was a little rambunctious um, or heathen. You know, there's lots of words for it. Depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to my younger sister here, she probably has much more hateful words for it. Um, but um, I got in a lot of trouble. Anybody relate to that? Um, my sister, she was one of those awful people that did things right all the time. And so I don't know about that. I wasn't that way. Um, but I got spanked a lot. My parents, they spanked, man. I get applause for spanking. Spankings are great. Um, I raised six kids, and I think they're just a healthy way to parent. Um, when I was younger, I didn't think that. And uh, so I remember one time, though, I, uh, I don't know what I was doing, but this is what I know, that, that whatever it was, uh, my parents had kind of had enough, right? And so I'd, I'd, we'd, we'd reached the end of the rope. Um, and uh, so my mom's like, you know, go bend over. I'll be in there in a little bit, you know, and I knew what that meant. I'm going to get a spanking. And so um, I think I probably back talk a little bit right there because that's typically what I would do. And, you know, I couldn't just go do something. I had to run my mouth. I still haven't grown out of that today. But um, so eventually, though, I went off to my room to await my punishment. Um, and this is one of those things like drawers down. I'm waiting for, for my, my whooping. And so and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Um, and then some time went by and I woke up and... Pants down, fell asleep on the bed, um, and so, like, I pour up, pull up my drawers, and it's like, I got to go find, find mom, like, what's, what's taking place here? And uh, so I get out to the, to the living room, and my mom um, is, is watching probably whatever show I was interrupting or on or whatever, and I'm sleeping my eyes, like, are you going to come whoop me? Like, and she felt so bad that she had, she had a change of heart. She's like, no, why don't you just sit here and join me? And so completely shifted the whole situation, right? She went from being angry and upset. And if you're a parent in here, you know how that goes, man. Our kids can get on our nerves, but we love them. And my mom loved me. And so then you, if you ever made a mistake as a parent, you know how that gets you. And you, you go from being angry to everything shifts inside. And you're like, all right, all right, we're going to do something different here. And so the whole dynamic of the night changed, and it is just one of those moments that was just really incredible. Um, but um, when we have a change of heart like that, and, and we hear that often, that term, and I had a change of heart, it's, it really what it signifies is just a change, a shift, a, a drastic. It's like a, it's like a 180. Like it's a complete about face. We're going to go in a different direction. My mom went from, all right, you need the belt, to, and why don't you sit on the couch, and we'll just love each other now. I mean, it was a complete different direction. Um, the 
woman that I was talking to before I went to sleep on the side of the bed was completely different than the one I was talking to when she was embarrassed and, and had that change of heart. Well, we're called to have a change of heart ourselves, and that's actually the title of tonight's message. It's called A Change of Heart, and what we want to talk about is how when we encounter Jesus, when we come into relationship with him, that we need to have that about face. We need to have that change of heart. We need to have that, that significant transformation and change, and we want to talk about what that looks like in our lives. It's something that should be more than lip service. And if you're in here tonight and you're not a Christian, um, I do want to address you. First off, I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you're here, um, and, and I respect you. I respect you for showing up. I want you to know this. I was once in your place. I once sat in a seat, probably one of these seats, actually, and, and sat and listened to messages that I didn't quite understand and, and didn't quite know why I was here and, and occasionally would fall asleep. And, and, but eventually, I'm just telling you, if you'll commit to it, if you'll pursue it, um, your, your life will change, even if you don't buy into it all the way. I just want you to say, if you'll commit to the principles we talk about, don't even buy into the Jesus thing right off, but just commit to the principles, your life will change. And so that's what happens, though, when we commit to these things. And so if you are in here tonight and you're a Christian, man, I applaud you for, for pursuing God. But I want to really, really talk to you tonight because if you've made that commitment, if I were to ask you to raise your hand tonight and that's how you would identify, you're like, I'm a Jesus follower. If that's you... Well, I want to have a conversation with you about what that looks like because it's more than, than lip service. I did that for a long time, but I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. But, but it's more than that, that, that our actions, our lifestyle, the thing that we do, there should be an outward expression of the things we profess with our mouth. They should show up in our daily lives, that, that when we're out there in the real world, at our jobs, at home, dealing with our children and dealing with our neighbor, the one that, that keeps letting his dog take dumps in your yard, that neighbor, that when we're dealing with those, they shouldn't question whether or not you love Jesus if you're following him. There should be an outward expression where nobody has to question it. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that change of heart, that significant shift that you should have had in your life where you were going this direction, but you had that encounter with him, and now you're going this direction, and people identify it. People see it. People question what's wrong with you. I want to talk about that change of heart tonight. And so to start off, start off I want to be in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. And so this was written by the prophet Jeremiah. And so prophets of the time before Jesus, um, they kind of had a significant role. They would show up and they would tell people, um, turn from your sins, repent and follow God. And, and then nobody would listen to them. And then another one would show up and say, repent from your sins and, and follow God. And then they might kill them or something like that. And <laughs> so don't do that to me. So, um, but, so Jeremiah said this. He said this in verses uh, nine through 10 in chapter 17. He said, the human heart, is the most, say most, most, most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked, and desperately wicked. And I wanna pause right there. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And so I wanna stop right there because that is in huge contrast to the message that we hear out in the world. And it may follow your heart. You're unhappy, follow your heart. You're having trouble in your marriage, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Don't like your job. You're discontent in life. Follow your heart. Um, and so I just want to point out that the contrast in, in God's word, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And so when we talk about that change, that shift, what it is, is we should not follow our heart. We should follow God's heart. 
That, that, that's what that is. That change of heart is, is just that removal of the wicked thing inside of us where we say, you know what? I know where this got me. It got me in a divorce where, where I no longer have a, a good relationship with my spouse. It led me to addiction. It led me to, to gambling and spending my money. It led me to depression and unhappiness that, that following my heart got that. And we have to begin to recognize that in our lives. And we have to have that change of heart, that about face where we say, I'm no longer gonna follow this that's inside of me because I know exactly where that leads but I'm gonna try something different. And again, if you're not a Christian in here, that's what I'm asking you to do. You don't have to buy in, but begin to pursue what you know to be different. You can look at God's word and seek something else. And if you are a follower, you should recognize this verse here and begin to follow God's heart over yours. And so continuing, it says, again, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? If you've been in any type of addiction, you know how bad it can be. But I, the Lord... Search all hearts and examine secret motives. We talked about that some last week. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserves. And so our hearts, they're inclined to do the wrong thing. I think it's funny that you can look at little kids. I mean, kids are sweet. I love kids. I work with kids. I have six children. I've kept them all alive, so I must love them, right? And so I, I love them. But here's the thing. Nobody had to teach any of my six children how to do the wrong thing. Nobody had to teach them how to be selfish. Nobody had to teach them how to be mouthy, though I did that. Um, but nobody had to because, because they're disinclined that way. Our hearts are inclined that way to do the wrong thing. And so we see it in, in kids, we see it in society. And then when we get out there, when it's our time, our turn to make a decision or do something, we're like, I'm gonna follow my heart because it works so well over here. But, but it's the most deceitful of all things, and it's inclined to do the wrong thing. And so we talked about this last week. We talked about those motives inside, that, that we talked about what drives you. We talked about, is it the world? Is that what's motivating you? Are you letting the heart that's inside of you drive your decisions and drive the direction of your life? Or are you laying that down and pursuing something different? And so we're gonna continue that theme this week as we talk about having a change of heart because we have a choice we have a choice to make. And so this week, we're really gonna focus. We're really gonna focus on how we need to experience a change in heart and how when we do that, it's gotta be more than lip service. That it's gotta be expressed in our lives. It's gotta be expressed in our words, in our actions. It's gotta be expressed in the way we deal with people. It's gotta be expressed in the things that you do. The habits that you pick up or don't pick up, the things that you lay down, the way that you walk things out, that, that if you're gonna have this, it's got to be reflected in your daily life. So I want to share with you another verse. Um, it's in Ezekiel, Ezekiel eleven nineteen through 20. We're going to start there. And it says, and I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. And so again, this is, this is a prophet speaking. And so these are the words of God. And he's talking about the nation of Israel and just their wickedness and, and how they've turned from God and they've pursued things of the world that, that their motives were all wrong, that the thing that was driving them was taking them this way, that, that they were being led by a wicked heart. And so God says this, and I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart so they will obey my decrees and regulations. And I think it's funny that, that God talks about transforming us so much, that he talks about changing us. But, but when it comes to the heart so often, he doesn't talk about changing it. He talks about discarding what we had, what we started with. 
Because it's, it's so much that, that we give up our will completely and say, I'm going to pursue something different. That, that it's not a transformation. That, that the heart is so wicked and so deceitful and leads us in such a, a bad direction. It's so inclined to the wrong thing that when we're pursuing our will, it's so jacked up that God said, I'm going to remove that. That, that I've got something so much better for you. I'm not even gonna mess with transforming that, but I want you to pursue this. And then it says, then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. That when we have that change, it should be so significant that we are following God in everything. And I know how hard it is. I walk it out daily. There's not a single day that goes by that I don't fail in some way of pursuing this. But I don't get discouraged and I pick myself up day in and day out, and I ask for forgiveness from the people I wound constantly. I ask for forgiveness from the God that I fail daily, and I say, God, give me a new heart. Take this filthy thing from within me and transplant in me a heart that reflects your will, that reflects your love, that reflects your grace, and I have to pray that daily because I encountered a jacked-up world out there, and I am far too immature to do it on my own and to make the right choices, and so I need to rely on him day in and day out, and I say, God, let's do it again. Open heart, transplant once again today, Father. Give me something new because I'm going to need it if I'm going to get through the nine o'clock hour this morning without screaming and cussing at somebody. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so a little later on in Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, um, again, here's the prophet and he's speaking um, God's word. God's speaking through him and he says this, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. This is representative of what Jesus does. That action on the cross that, that if you're in here and you don't know what that means, you haven't been to church maybe at all or in a while, you don't understand that. You know, Jesus, he was sent as a sacrifice and when we accept that sacrifice, we're made clean. So this is representative of that, that, that acceptance and that righteousness that comes through there. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. You will be, um, your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. Say new heart. New heart that when we pursue him, we can have a change of heart, the transplant inside that he, he washes these things away, that the shame and the guilt and the things that, that we've done wrong, there's no need to carry that. That's what the world wants you to do. And he'll give us this new heart and a new life and a new perspective. And he goes on and he says, and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out, I love it. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'll, I'll take that out. Funny story, I mean, when we're really talking about hearts, um, I know for me for a long time, just some things, things that had happened to me personally, things I'd done personally, um, for a very long time, I really, I really struggled with, with women um, in a lot of ways. And it's, it's a shameful, embarrassing thing to talk about, but if you've known me for, for more than five years, there's a good chance that you, you were witness to, to that. And my heart was hard and it was jaded and I had very little respect for women and I never thought I'd be married again or anything. But about five years ago, I really started to submit to God. And for me, the way that this really played out in such a significant way that, that first off, 
I remember having a desire to be married, and I'm like, what the heck is this? Like, it was like, no, no, I don't want any of that. that but God continued to work on it, and God continued to work on it. And, and there was this, this significant transformation that took place, that took place. And because my sister's here, I'm going to pick on her a little bit. Um, I remember having a conversation with her, and it was such a significant move in my life that she thought, um, for lack of a better word, that I was just full of crap. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. She said absolutely. Um, but that's what a change of heart should be. It should be so significant that the people that are closest to you, which at the time was my, my younger sister, look at you and, and go, what the heck? Like, like sh- what? And I remember when I started talking about getting married, and she's like, she said, you can't do that to her. Like, she's got four <laughs> kids. Um, like, you can't, you can't do that. But that change of heart was so significant that the people closest to me questioned my sanity, <laughs> questioned my authenticity until I walked it out. That, that, that's, that's what we're talking about. That when we read here in Jeremiah, when we read here in Ezekiel, that the things that we're talking about, that, that transformation, it, it's not, I'm going to change what you have. I'm going to give you something so significantly different that if you'll pursue me, that if you'll follow me, Everyone in your world will see it, will recognize it, and they're going to question you. They're going to question you that that's what you should be seeking. That's what should be going on. And he continues. He says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put in you a new spirit, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. That will be convicted to follow him, that will we'll have a desire that we'll find a joy and a pleasure in pursuing the things of God. That, that if you're in here and you profess with your lips that you follow Jesus and you have no idea what I'm talking about, I want to encourage you to double down and to really pursue him until you seek and you find that, that thing that makes you so hungry that you're unable to live your life the way you've been living it, that you're unable to pursue the things that you've been pursuing, that you're unable to keep walking out that path, that you've got to change direction and to pursue him and to pursue something different. And so tonight we're going to talk about that. I've got three points, hopefully rather quickly. Um, And so I want to start with point one. In order to have a change of heart, first and foremost, we have to recognize our need for a new heart. We have to recognize our need for a new heart. Again, Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 that we started with, it says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. So we have to recognize that, that the things that we naturally pursue unchecked are sinful. They're wrong. And we've encountered that, that that unchecked, we tend to be selfish and self-centered And so we need to begin to align our will with his will. And so Mark 7, 20 through 23, um, and this is is one of your gospels. If you guys aren't familiar with your Bible, you've got the Old Testament, which is before the life of Jesus, and then you've got the New Testament. The New Testament starts with gospels. These tell about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And so we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And so we're going to be in Mark. And so what these are, there are four different perspectives from different people of Jesus's life. And so you've got some similar stories, but what you've got is you've got an eyewitness account of people that actually walked with Jesus, that saw him in a body that, that witnessed these things. And so here Jesus is having a conversation and he says this and said, then he added, 
It's what comes from inside that defiles you. And so what had happened is he's having this conversations, these Pharisees, these teachers of religious law come up and they begin to question him and his teaching and these practices, these food habits, basically that, that him and his disciples had because the Jews had all sorts of rules. And so rather than addressing the food, Jesus begins to address the heart. And so he says, it's what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, say heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things, all these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. That, that when we're talking about our heart, that if you're in here and your perspective is, I just want to do what makes me happy, that I just want to follow my heart, you're in dangerous waters. And you might, you might swim for a little bit and be just fine, but eventually it crashes and burns because we're bent the wrong way. That, that nothing has to take place for us to lean to fulfilling our desires. Again, we talked about this last week when we talked about, man, we desire to pursue pleasure. That, that, that that's something that's just inside of us. And the things that might bring you pleasure, as many of you probably have experienced, are not always healthy, they're not always good, and they don't always lead to the life that you wanna to live in day in and day out. And so Jesus says, it's not the things out here that, defy, or that make you unhealthy, it's the things inside. It's what's coming up from in here. It's from that wicked heart from within that, that we begin to slander, that, that we have impure thoughts, that, that, we're, that we're lustful, that we're hateful, that, that we do these things. And so if we wanna have a change of heart, it starts with recognizing that, that maybe following ours is leading us in the wrong direction, that we've got to begin to recognize that if we want to begin to turn the other way. And so, funny story. Um, if you didn't know this, one of the things that I do here is, is I oversee our children's ministry. And so it's, it's first to fifth grade. It's actually the thing that I was originally hired to do here at the church. And so... Um, it's, I love it. I love kids. I love getting to do it. Um, and so this last weekend here at the church, we had our beginnings weekend. And so beginnings um, for Cedar Point, it's where we have blood donations, which is incredible. We do baby dedications. We do baptisms, which is phenomenal. We had 23 baptisms yesterday. Isn't that awesome? And so such a cool thing, such a cool thing. Um, but I was, teaching, I was teaching a lesson to the kids and we were talking, because it's beginnings, we talk about salvation and we talk about baptism. Um, and so in order to talk about baptism, you've got to know what salvation is. So we started there. And so the place that I, I take the kids to is, is where sin comes from. And so sin is a big word that um, makes some people uncomfortable until you know what it means. And so sin is just any time that, that we're not doing what God wants us to do. And I told the kids, you know, it can be a big thing. Like we would all agree that murder's wrong. We shouldn't kill anybody, right? And so that's a big sin. And then we talked about, man, there can be little things like jealousy is a sin. That's wrong. And so even though these are both things that are wrong, we shouldn't do that. And we talked about because of that, everybody's kind of guilty of sin. And so um, <laughs> I want to read this to you. Um, I said, uh, so I was, when I was teaching the kids, I asked them um, if they knew where sin comes from. And so um, they said, you know, someone's kid shouted out, he was just really excited. And he's like, from the devil. <clears throat> and so like any good father, even though it wasn't my child, um, I crushed his dreams. And I said, no, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> And uh, 
he just kind of deflated and looked at me, and he was so defeated. Um, and, and I laughed, and I said, it's all right. You know, and I, don't worry, I redeemed him. I said, how many of you in here thought that? And they all raised their hand. Um, but have you guys really thought about where it comes from? Like, where does sin come from? I would wager that if, if I'd asked you guys before where sin comes from, some of you would have raised your hand and said, the devil, daggum devil made me do it. Um, but the reality is it comes from the fact that we have a choice because we have free will. That, that, that in order to not have sin as an option, that I would have to take away your ability to choose. Because if there's a right choice and I'm actually giving you a choice, what has to be over here? A wrong choice. That, that, that's where it comes from. And so we're naturally bent to the wrong thing. And, and if you're living life and you keep screwing up and, and you keep messing up, I've got really bad news for you. Maybe, just maybe, it's all on you. It's your choices. Maybe some circumstances and some things happened out there that impacted your life. But when it comes down to it, we make choices we're responsible for those choices. And if we want to change our lives, we have to recognize that, that we need a change of heart. That, that it's not some supreme Satan out there treating us as little puppets. That, that we make choices that lead to the consequences we face. And we have to recognize that. If we want to have a change of heart, we have to recognize that ours is broken that ours is broken, and the only one that can go inside of us that can make us do the right thing and, and to desire that is the one that God has for us. And so in order to have a change of heart, we have to recognize our need for a new one. Point number two is this. Our lives should be evidence of the change. Our lives should be evidence of the change. Again, I touched on this last week where I talked about I came to church for the wrong motives, Right? I, that I would show up week in and week out every Sunday and I was faithful and I did this, but it was all for the wrong thing. That, that well, when I made that, then I reconciled in my heart that I was gonna show up for him in a relationship with him, things began to change and there was evidence in that. So much evidence that again, my younger sister thought I was nuts and my whole family wondered what was wrong with me and they, they thought I was you know hustling people. Um, but... but <laughs> That's how significant it should be, a change of heart. It should be evidence in our lives. I wanna share with you guys out of Ephesians. So Ephesians is a letter. It was written by the apostle Paul. Um, and so Paul was this guy, we used to know him as Saul, and he ended up writing two-thirds of our New Testament. If you look at your New Testament, again, there's an Old Testament, New Testament. There's a lot of letters in there. That's how that's made up. And so they were inspired by God's Holy Spirit, but um, a man actually wrote them down, a few of them. Paul was one of them. So Paul used to murder Christians. So he wasn't a great guy. He, he did things. He hated Jesus, blasphemed the Holy Spirit type of thing, wanted to drag women and children back in, in chains to have them put on trial. And so not a great guy, but he had an encounter with Jesus and he had a change of heart. And so he went on to be one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived. I mean, he really did. He, he set the church in motion. And so he wrote these letters. And so I wanna start in verses 17 and 19 in Ephesians 4. And it said, with the Lord's authority, I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. And so again, that's Ephesians 4. If you've got your Bibles, 
open it up there. I've got a few verses that aren't going to be up here. Um, but, but Paul's saying, don't live that way, right? Don't live as the world does. And so to put it in the context today, that there's all sorts of things that we can look at and have examples of where people are living the wrong way. And, and if, if you're like me, you've been guilty of desiring that lifestyle and pursuing those things. I mean, there was a time in my life where, where that's what I pursued and I thought these things would make me happy. But we have to come to a place where we recognize that that's not what we should do. We should have that change of heart and pursue something different. He continues in verses 20 through 24. He says, but that isn't, what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus, you've learned the truth that comes from him. And so throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life. That's that change of heart where we recognize ours is wrong, it's broken. We begin to cast that off and begin to pursue something different, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, say instead. Instead, instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, that, that we don't have to continue to live this way, that we can live a different way. And that's that change of heart. We can put on that new nature. We can pursue a new life. But it starts with recognizing our need for something different. And that need is what Jesus has for us. And so put on that new nature, pursue something different. In verse 25 through 27, he says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And then in 28 through 29, it says, If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, for good hard work. Um, some of y'all without jobs out there, I'm going to say that again. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good work. Man, if you're, if you're not working, you need to work. Man, I just, I'm just telling you, we're, we're made for it. Don't be lazy. Get out there. Do something. And then it goes on. I said, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And so in verse 30, which I'm gonna have up here, it says this, it says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. That, that God, God cares what you do day in and day out. And if, and if you're just professing with your mouth that you love Jesus and your life doesn't reflect that, Monday through Saturday, that's for you. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. And, and I'm saying that as a person who did that for years and years and years. I showed up and I sorrowed God day in and day out by the things I did. So don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. In verses 31 and 32, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, say instead. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And so again, our change of heart, our lives should be evidence of the change. That if you raised your hand and you prayed a prayer and you do the exact same thing that you did the day before, day in and day out, I'm not going to judge where you're at with the Lord, but you should question it. That if you have no desire to change or to live differently, you should question what's going on in your life. That, that we should have a hunger and a desire to pursue something different. There should be evidence of it in our lives. We should begin to lay these things down and have a desire to pursue something different because that's what it's about. A relationship with Jesus is not about just showing up to church on Sunday or coming to a meeting on Monday. It's about significant life change that reflects what he's done on the inside of us because he should have removed that filthy, wicked, 
deceitful heart and you should have a hunger and a thirst to desire to, to please him, to follow him, to allow him to be Lord of your life. So much so that you impact your neighbor, that you impact your job, that you impact the community. People should question your sanity out there and wonder what happened to the partier I knew? What happened to the angry person I knew? What happened to the adulterer, the slanderer, the addict? What happened? And you can say, I had a change of heart. I encountered a very real Jesus. He set me free and I'm living for something different. That's what should take place when you come into that relationship with him. And those of us who have experienced know just how real it is, that it's not a lip service, that it's something real that takes place, but we've got to pursue it day in and day out. Get up there. (laughs) Second Corinthians. So again, this this is not in your notes, but it's the apostle Paul again speaking. He wrote this uh, letter to the church of Corinth and he says this, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That, that, That we're blind to the life we're living so often, but that when we give our lives to him, that the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. That, that we should be set free from that old life. I'm gonna go back to that one. I'm gonna say it again. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. Freedom. That there should be significant change in our lives when we begin to actually pursue him. And again, if you're in here and you're like, I don't buy into it, I'm just telling you, commit to a year to fake it. Fake it for a year. And I'm telling you, you're going to experience something radical. Challenge you. If you think I'm lying, come back in next year and say, man, Pastor Aaron, I read my Bible every day for 365 days. I've been praying. I've been showing up to church. I've been really seeking. And, and come back. Man, I, come back to me and try to tell me your life didn't change. Try to tell me. Try to tell me. So I'm just saying, you know it to be true. Begin to pursue something different and your life will change. And he finishes it up there and he says this. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Again, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. That our lives should be a reflection of what you're reading in your Bible on Sunday. If it's not, I would question where you're at that we should begin to reflect that. We should begin to reflect that. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You can't stay where you're at. You've got to pursue it. And as you pursue it, your life reflects it. And as you have that change, it should be evidence in your life. It should be evidence in your life. And I'm not saying you're going to wake up and ever be perfect. You're going to fail. I fail. I fail, but, but I know that with God's help that I can be a little bit better tomorrow and a little bit better tomorrow. And that's what it's about. It's about pursuing that and getting as close to it as we can day in and day out. Not for me, do it for yourself, do it for him. And so point number three, as we begin to close is this, genuine change should be pursued day, daily. That when we have that heart change, that, that real heart change, if you wanna keep it, it's a daily pursuit. If you're only pursuing it on Mondays, that's why you're not getting it. If you're only pursuing it on Sunday, that's not why you're not getting it. It's a daily thing. It's a daily walk that we've got to continue to seek it. Again, I told you earlier that pretty much every day, and some days my prayer life isn't what it should be, which is why it's not every day, but pretty much every day I have to pray to God, man, I want, I want that new heart. 
Because every time he puts a new one in me, I get it dirty again. And I'm like, man, God, transform me. Keep growing me. I want to be better, and I want to be better. And so genuine change should be pursued daily. I'm going to read you out of 2 Peter. I'm starting in verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, Peter, he was a disciple of Jesus. He was an eyewitness to Jesus' life. He walked with him. Uh, Peter, someone we can all relate to, he failed. Um, you guys re- relate to people who fail? I can. So Peter failed. He missed it. He blew it. Um, he was also a little arrogant, which I can relate to on, on a different note. Um, but he said this um, in his gospel uh, or his account. And he says, uh, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need, um, everything we need for living a godly life. I'm say that again. And this is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It's by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life, that you're not in here today um, with some type of inadequacy, that if you've committed to following him, if, if you've had the lip service and you're like, man, I'm, I'm gonna pursue God, that he equips you with everything you need to live a different life, whether it's uh, getting free from, from alcohol or from drugs or from gambling, whether it's being a better husband or a better wife, a better parent, that the thing that you're in here pursuing that God's given you everything you need to achieve that, but it's a daily pursuit, that, that we've got to recognize that our heart needs change, that we need him, and we've got to begin to pursue that outward expression, and we've got to do it daily, and you're equipped for that. You're equipped for that. God has given you everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. In verse four, he says, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promise. These are the promises that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And it goes on, it says, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, that, that we've got to begin to put in the work. We've got to make effort. We've got to pursue it. If you're waiting for God to take it from you, you've got to give it to him. He's a gentleman. As my wife would say, you've got to, you've got to, uh, you've got to hand it over and make every effort to pursue these things. So in view, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. If you want to read about how to grow spiritually and to walk this out and pursue it daily, that's for you. Look it over, read it, and put it in your heart. And begin to pursue it. And then picking up in verses 8 through 9, he says this. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting. Say forgetting. Forgetting Forgetting that they've been cleansed of their old sins. We get trapped in this back and forth. And we wake up and we're like, man, I'm not worthy of God's love today. I was worthy yesterday, but I've gotten off track. And so, but when we stay in that, that daily pursuit and, and follow him day in and day out, that, that, that we're reminded that these things have been taken care of, that we've been set free and we can stay in that sweet spot that you're going to fail, you're going to mess up, but, but you know you serve a God that's greater than your mistakes. That, that, that's that spot that I want to be in day in and day out, man. I would love, I would love to be blameless. But let's face it, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to achieve that. 
but, but I can get in that place where I'm pursuing excellence. And when I trip and stumble, I know that God's got me. And that's where I want to be. I want to daily walk that out, daily pursue it. So I don't forget all of his grace and his mercy. And I'm, and I'm stuck in between the world that, that I'm on, on point and I'm following him and knowing that, that no matter what, I'm going to keep moving forward, that I'm going to keep moving forward, that I'm going to keep pursuing him. And I'm never going to forget what he's done for me. I'm never going to forget what he's brought me out of, how he set me free, how he's changed me and transformed me. And I'm going to keep my eye on the ball and I'm going to keep pursuing Jesus day in and day out. And if you want to have a change of heart, it's that daily pursuit. Genuine change is a daily pursuit of this. And he goes on. And again, he says this um, in verses 10 through 11, says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard, say work hard. Work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Now, the things that you do don't make you any more saved or make God love you anymore. But if you've experienced heart change, your desire should be to work hard to serve him. That, that's that outward expression. It's not so, man, you can, you can be more loved by God. He'll never, you, never love you anymore. But, but it's so, and you don't forget, you keep your eye on the ball. And you keep pursuing him. And so again, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into his eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's incredible, isn't it? And so, man, heart change. We've got to recognize that we need a new heart. We've got to realize that it should be expressed outwardly in our lives, and we've got to pursue it daily. I want to close um, with one final verse, and it's a psalm. Um, psalms is kind of like in the middle of your Bible, and sometimes we read them, and oftentimes, huh? It is poetic. Um, and oftentimes, we, we overlook the context because it's, it's, a, it's a book of, of poems and songs that are just kind of put together, um, but they happened in different times. Like you'll be reading your Bible and there's this significant moment that might've taken place that, that that's where the Psalm fits in. And this one in particular, it's Psalms 51. And to give you the context here, this was written, this particular one was written by King David. Um, and so King David, he had been a shepherd, right? And if you guys have ever heard the story, he slayed a giant named Goliath um, after being anointed to be the next king of Israel. He served in King Saul's court. Um, a lot of turmoil there, a lot of back and forth, and was eventually um, actually crowned the, the king of Israel. And, and he had God's favor upon him. And he was doing just great things, great things. And we actually, I think it was last week, we talked about, did we talk about it? I think we did. We talked about David's failure. Um, at the time where kings typically go off to war, we talked about how David, he stayed back. And as David stayed back, he got off track. Um, he was up <laughs> one morning and he saw, um, he saw Bathsheba taking a bath. So beautiful naked woman across. He gave in to his sinful, lustful desire. He, man, he forgot to get that heart transplant that morning. And because of that, he ended up in an adulterous relationship. Bathsheba became pregnant. Um, to hide this fact, um, he tried to have her husband come back from war to sleep with her so he could cover it up. When that failed, he murdered her husband. Um, so here we had a great man of God who fell into an adulterous relationship and then was guilty of murder. And so the baby that she um, was having, his baby, um, through all of this, um, ends up dying. Um, 
it just because of this circumstance, God allowed that baby to be taken from David. Um, David wrote Psalms 51 in that time. That's the context behind that. And when you read it in that context, it really brings it to new light because and this was a man that was struggling with failure, his own failure and sadness as his child was taken from him. And he says this, um, he says, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. That even this man that we read about that is a man after God's own heart, sometimes he missed it. He missed it big. Sometimes we miss it. But, but we know this, that, that even in those moments of failure, even in those moments where we've gotten off track, that we serve a God that loves us, that will give us a new heart <laughs> if we've got the old one dirty. And he will restore us that he's not gonna remove his Holy Spirit from us if we continue to pursue him, that even in our failures, we know this, that his arms are never closed off to us and he's always willing and waiting to accept us back. And so again tonight, if you want to have a change of heart, it starts with recognizing our need for a new heart. It starts with recognizing our need for a new heart. And in point number two, our lives should be evidence of the change and point number three was genuine change should be pursued daily. That you don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to stay trapped in addiction. You don't have to be, stay trapped in, in depression and, and loneliness and sadness. That, that you can have a significant change when you recognize your need. And so tonight, all of this starts with that a recognition that you can't do these things on your own. We have to recognize that, that we do need saved, that we do need set free. And so here in just a moment, as we begin to close out service, if you're in here tonight and you're like, you know what, I need to experience that change. I wanna have a change of heart. I wanna be set free. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're in here tonight and you're like, you know what, I wanna make that commitment. I want, I want to try that. I want to, I want to pursue him, that I'm ready to recognize who he is, that, that I admit and recognize that I can't save myself, that I'm going to seek forgiveness, that I'm going to believe that, that Jesus was the son of God, that he died for me to set me free, and I'm going to make him Lord. If you want to make that decision, here at the end of service, we'll have an opportunity for you to come forward, and you can get with uh, one of the ladies over here or one of the guys over here, and, and we would love to lead you in a prayer so that you can make Jesus Lord of your life, so you can experience that heart change for the first time. And if you're in here tonight and you need to recommit, you've made that decision, you've gotten off track, maybe you were like David, and, and you've done things that, that are shameful, that, that are despicable, that, that drove you away. Just like David, you can come back and you can, you can go to God and say, God, man, I need a new heart. I need, I need reconciled to you. I need, I need set free. That don't, don't take these things from me, God. And he won't. We serve a God of second chances, third chances, however many chances you need. So if you need to recommit tonight, again, we would love to pray with you and for you so that you can make that decision. And then if you need a white chip tonight, we've got these chips up front. If there's something in your life that you need to set down, kind of like this pack of cigarettes here or anything else, and you're like, you know what? 
God's been dealing with me about this. And it's time that I laid it at his feet, that I began to, to pursue change, to pursue something different. So if that's you tonight and you need to make that decision and do that, I encourage you to come pick up one of these white chips. You can write today's date on it. You can write down what it is. You can physically lay it up here and say, it's no more. I'm, I'm not going to hold on to this. And so if that's you, we would love for you to do that. And if you just need prayer tonight, but man, this is a house of prayer. We're for you. And one of the ways we're for you is not by judging you, but by joining you in prayer as you pursue something different. And so if you're in here tonight and you just need prayer, we would love to pray with you. And so, and if you guys would, as we close out, as we enter this time, if you guys would stand to your feet as we close out in worship.